This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message already in progress. Just a couple of verses. If you have Nehemiah chapter 2, say amen. Amen. Let's start at uh, verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. We ask that you would speak to us through the book of Nehemiah that you might be glorified. Father, we pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up. That as he is lifted up, we might see him. And in seeing him, we might believe on him. And believing on him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen Amen. Amen. and amen. You may be seated. For the next few minutes, I want to continue our series entitled Rebuild. A look at Ezra and Nehemiah. The first couple of messages have centered around Ezra. As Ezra, the book of Ezra, uh, kind of gives us an idea and a picture of the people coming back from exile to Jerusalem to first of all rebuild the altar and then to rebuild the temple. Well, Ezra and Nehemiah were originally one book. They were originally one one uh, 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 literary piece. And when the Old Testament was compiled, they were separated. Because Ezra talks about the altar in the temple. And, and evidently, Nehemiah, because it talks about rebuilding the wall, it was separated. I'd like to introduce you to the book just for a minute. I just mentioned that Nehemiah is about rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And the wall was so important that a wall would prevent uh, enemy nations from invading. The wall would prevent those who would wreak havoc on the nation. So a nation's walls were very important. The strength of a nation's walls were the strength of the nation. And yet the walls around Jerusalem had been destroyed. And they had been destroyed for a number of years. In chapters 1 through 6 of Nehemiah, we find that the, the, the focal point of those chapters are the physical construction of the walls around Jerusalem. And then in chapters 7 through 13, 
it's not necessarily focusing in on the physical walls because the wall around Jerusalem in chapter 6 is complete. But chapter 7 through 13 deal with the spiritual restoration of the people. How many know that you can build a church, but that doesn't necessarily make spiritual Christians? Amen or oh me? Amen. You can build a ministry, but that doesn't necessarily make that ministry Christian. You can have a Christian school, but that doesn't make the staff and the students Christian. And so as God begins to, to see that the altar is reconstructed, the temple is reconstructed, and the walls are reconstructed, the people need to be reconstructed as well. There is this spiritual uh, rebuilding and restoration of the people that takes, takes place. I uh, years ago heard a message by one of my favorite preachers, Dr. Adrian Rogers. And Dr. Adrian Rogers preaches a message entitled, Rise Up and Build. Much of what we are going to talk about here is really his outline. I've used his outline as points, as kind of a skeleton, so that I could put my own flesh on it. It is such a good outline that, that, that Dr. Rogers talks about the reconstruction of not just a wall, but the reconstruction of a life. Or the reconstruction or the construction of a family or the construction of a business or a church or a ministry or an organization. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, I believe that there are six spiritual principles. If you're building anything, some of us are young people trying to build our lives. Uh, everything is going on. I know I coach youth basketball. I coach high school basketball. There are youth that are there. And all kinds of things are going on in their lives. Their body is changing. Their minds are changing. Their emotions are changing. So they're going through puberty. They're, they're, they're trying to find their identity. All things are, 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 are new. And, and it could be that they're asking the question, how do I construct my life? Or it could be you're a young adult and you're just starting out. Maybe you're starting out with a job and you're on your own or you're starting out and you're just getting married and, and you're like, well, how do I construct this thing? What do I do to, to, to build this, this, this life that God has given me? Or it could be that you've got an entrepreneurial spirit. And you, the Lord has called you, and he, he, you know that you know that you know he, you want him, he wants you to build a business. Well, what are some things that need to be in place? What are some, some things that are foundational? What principles are there? I know that these principles that I'm about to talk about, we had to live out when we started praying 25 years ago about creating and building God's church. And so here Nehemiah is, who gives us a picture. Here Nehemiah is, as I'm going to mention at the very end, Nehemiah is a type of Christ. And Christ is doing the same thing in our own lives that Nehemiah is doing right here. So it is crucial that you listen. And it is crucial that you take notes. Because either this is for you, or it is for someone around you who needs to know how to build. One preacher put it this way. There are three kinds of people in the world. There is one type of person who makes things happen. There's another kind who watches things. So watches people makes things happen. And the third is 
there are people who don't know what's happening. My question is, what kind of person are you? Nehemiah was a man that made things happen for God. In the first chapter, he, he, he inquires about the condition of Jerusalem. And one of his, 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 uh, his fellow Jews comes back to him and says, uh, it's worse than you never thought. The, the city lies in ruins. There, the walls have been torn down. It, it, it's terrible. So much so that, that Nehemiah becomes sad and he begins to pray and he begins to ask the Lord, Lord, have mercy on your people. Have mercy on Jerusalem. Have mercy on us. Lord, forgive us for our sin. Forgive me for my sin. Lord, give me an opportunity. And in the beginning of chapter 2, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the Persian king. And the Persian king is being served wine. And he notices that Nehemiah's countenance has fallen. And he says, what's wrong? Why are, why are you upset? Nehemiah says, I'm upset because the city, my city, Jerusalem, has been torn down and lies in ruins. The king says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And Nehemiah prays and says, Lord, what do you want me to say? And as he's praying, he talks and says, I, I need to go home. I need resources to rebuild. I need letters from you to give me safe passage. I need a decree so that the people will know that it's all right. And, and you have given us clearance to build. And the king of Persia says, you got everything you need. Men and women, God is mentioned in that passage as Nehemiah prays to him. But what we don't see is the Holy Spirit working on a pagan king's heart to provide everything that he needs to build. And men and women, what I'm telling you is God will provide everything that you need to build. And God wants us to live out these principles. And I'm going to hurry through them. If you want the notes later on, I'll provide them. But point number one is simply this. Look at verse 12. It says, Then I rose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. Point number one is, He fixed his focus on God's plan. It was God's plan. It was his plan to go and rebuild those walls. And he got that plan, Nehemiah did, from God. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says, you know, A man's heart uh, plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Amen. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that's what will stand. Men and women, you can know if God wants you to build, if he places it in your heart to build, and you know that it's from him. You know that you know that you know that God has called you to this. That it is his plan. And Nehemiah said, the, 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 the walls of Jerusalem lie in, 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 in waste and, and are down, they are broken, they are burned down. God wants me to build. And men and women, if God gives you the why, you can stand anyhow. God gave him the why to go. The why is you're on mission. The why is rebuild the wall. 
He hadn't even asked him how, but God provided all of the resources. Point number two, not only did he fix his focus on God's plan, but number two is he found his facts about the situation. There are three verses that indicate that, verses 13, 14, and 15. It says, and I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate, and I viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Verse 14. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. Verse 15. So I went up in the night by the valley, and I viewed the wall, and then I turned back, and I entered by the valley gate, and so returned. So, in verses 13 through 15, he is back at Jerusalem. He decides to go out by night just to observe things. He gets on his horse. He rides around the valley gate. He rides around the refuse gate. He rides around the fountain gate. He goes by the king's pool. He goes by night by the valley. He views the wall. He turns back, enters by the valley gate, and then returns. Why does he do that? He wants to take an account of the situation that Jerusalem is in. He wants to take an account. He wants to make an inventory. He wants to take an assessment. He wants to know what he's looking at. He wants to know what the situation is. He wants to make sure that he is aware of the current condition in which he is to build. And men and women, if you want to build, you've got to take inventory. You've got to know your situation. You've got to know what problem you're facing. You've got to know where you are. You've got to know where you're starting. So you'll know what to do. Get this. Get this. First of all, he fixes his focus on God's plan. In verse 12 it says, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do. God put something in his heart to do, and it was to rebuild those walls. And then the second thing is that, that he, he, he finds his facts about the situation. He makes a good assessment about the condition. That's why if you go to counseling, what they'll do, first of all, is for you to fill out an assessment. For you to talk about what the issues are. What the problem is. So that the counselor can know what he's dealing with. So here... Here, Nehemiah says, I want to see. Men and women, whatever it is you're about to build, you have to know what you're building on. Point number three. Not only did he fix his focus on God's plan and find his facts about the situation, but point number three is he formed a fellowship to address the work. He formed a fellowship to address the work. Look at verse 17. Then I said to them... You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Now, I want, to, want you to see two things in those verses that give you an idea of this concept of interdependence. Interdependence simply means we need people to accomplish the task. We accomplish more together than we do alone. 
And notice what it says. He said to them, he's talking to the Jews who are there in Jerusalem. He has just come back. And he says to them, you see the distress that we are in? The first word is we. Mm -hmm. Nehemiah lived in Persia. Nehemiah didn't live in Jerusalem, but he comes back home to Jerusalem and he says, you all see the, the, the condition that we are in. Now, I'm going to put a parenthesis there, and I'm going to give you some insight into being a pastor. A pastor knows that he is in trouble with individuals in the church when they talk about the church and the individuals say, well, you know you guys. Or he says, well, you know y'all. Or you know the church. You always know that that member has a vested interest when that member says we mm, mm, and us. Yes. And men and women, we need people to fulfill the vision that God has called us to. You need other people to come around you to fulfill the, the vision that is called, God has called you to. In a family, you need people. In a business, you need people. In a ministry, you need people. In an association, you need people. We never do anything significant alone. We do it together. If you want to walk fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, you go together. And men and women, all throughout the Bible, we know that. David had 400 men even before he became king. Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus had 12 disciples in the book of Acts. It says they were all together in the upper room. They were all together at Pentecost. They were all together in the house praying for Peter. They were all together as they did missions. In the New Testament, as, as, Peter, as Paul writes his letters to the churches, he mentions people. At the end, he mentions them by name. He mentions groups. He doesn't mention just one person all by himself unless it's the pastoral epistles. But the church is a family of believers working together to accomplish God's purpose. And, and, and Nehemiah knew that he needed buy-in from the Jews who were at Jerusalem to do things. I want to say this, and I want to say this really, really clear. There is a spirit of individualism in America that is unholy. This spirit that says, I don't need you. I don't like you. I don't want you. You have these unholy bumper stickers that say, I love Jesus. I just don't like his church. I mean, give me a break. Wow. Loving Jesus and loving his people is a part of his mission. We've got to do things together. And so he fixed his focus on God's plan. He found his facts about the situation. He formed a fellowship to address the work. And number four is he fortified his faith in God. He fortified his faith in God. It says in verse 18, And I told them of the hand of God, uh, of my God, which had been good upon me. And I also told them of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Notice in the text, it says, I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And I also told them of the king's words that he had spoken to me. What, what Nehemiah is saying is, and listen, 
Now that I've got y'all together, let me give you a testimony that will encourage you in your relationship with God as it encouraged me in my relationship with God. And it's going to fortify us in our faith. It's going to get us prepared to work. We're going to have, we're going to go in his strength because it's not our desire to do this. It is his desire that we be a part of this. Let me tell you that God's hand was upon me when I heard the news about the wall and I started praying and I started interceding and I started crying out to God and I started seeking his face and I started saying, God, what can I do about this situation? And I said, God, I want to glorify you. This is your city. These are your people. This is your glory. And you know what God did? As I prayed, the, the king saw that I was downcast. This king saw that I was sad. And he asked me what was the matter. So I saw that it was an open door to say, Jerusalem's walls had fallen down. And you know what happened? I didn't have to plead. I didn't have to beg. I didn't have to coerce. He asked me, what do you need? And I said, let me tell you what I need. I need wood. I need resources. I need safe passage. I need a decree. And guess what? God placed it in his heart to give me everything that we need to build this wall. And men and women, you don't know joy. Uh, you don't know the kind of joy that happens when you have a vision from God and God places it in the hearts of other folk to be a part of what you are doing and they begin to give everything that is needed to accomplish what God wants. All of the resources, all of the passage, all of the decree, all of the word, all of the excitement to fortify our faith to do what God wants us to do. Yeah, Men and women, it's awesome. Amen. Men and women, it's incredible. Men and women, you are, 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 are sitting on, on a miracle. Mm. And most of you, 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 you long-term members need to be reminded that as soon as you walk through the door, you are walking on the Word. Amen. For those of y'all who don't know, when this was a cement slab, I asked the builders, can we come up and, 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 and do some things in the builder in the building? And the builder said, uh, I'm not hearing a word you're saying, Pastor. Uh, if you do what you want to do, just don't tell me what you're going to do. I, la, 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 la. I don't want to know. So I gave that as clearance. And some of you older members will know we got permanent markers. We wrote all over these cement slabs. We wrote our favorite verses. We wrote our favorite passages. Right here is preach the word in season and out of season. You walk in the door and it says enter into his gate with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Over here it says make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye earth and all ye lands. Uh, sing to the Lord with gladness because that's where our piano was. There are praise and worship verses all over here. Everywhere you walk you are walking on the word. And every time I tell that story it fortifies my faith because God was in this. Amen or oh me. Listen, I, I just, I'm, I'm just going to explode and flesh will be all over you. Because it fortifies your faith when you know that God has called you. But point number five. Point number five is based upon verses 19 and 20. 
19 and 20 says, But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, the official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? But don't stop there. Look at verse 20. So I answered him and said to him, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. And point number five is, he faced his foes with courage. Make no mistake, any time you want to do something significant for God, there will be opposition. There will be enemies. There will be people that say, you can't do that. There will be people that come against you and say, well, that's not rational. Well, that's not reasonable. Or that's not, that's not sensible. Or you can't do that. If I'd have listened to all that, we'd never have a church. If I'd have listened to that, we'd never have a family. And have never got married. And have never, you can put all the nevers in there you want. Because there will always be, be opposition, there will always be enemies, there will always be spiritual warfare, there will always be things, people, places that will come against the vision of God. Amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. We cannot be shaken by opposition. We cannot be shaken by the enemy. We cannot be shaken by, by spiritual warfare that comes up against us. As a matter of fact, we need to change our whole perspective and say, when it comes, it's just a validation yeah. of, what, of, 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 of God wanting me to do what he's called me to do. Let me tell you what, what encourages me uh, in the face of opposition. First thing is that, that courage comes from God. Look at verse 20. It says, And so I answered them, and I said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. You see, courage comes from God. God is going to prosper us. God is going to see us through. God is the one we put our faith in, not you. Not our opposition. Not our enemies. I'm not listening to that. I ain't got time for that. Amen. But the other thing is that courage results from confidence in God. Not only am I believing in God, but as, as Reverend Ron says in Hebrews eleven six, not only do you believe in God, but you believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And men and women, many times I am not encouraged, I am in fear when I am not seeking His face and being encouraged by what God can do. When I begin rehearsing my testimony, when I've been rehearsing what God has done for me in the past, it encourages me in my present and allows me to move toward the future. And men and women, I've got to put my confidence in Him. Yesterday's confidence won't work. I've got to put my confidence in Him today and just look at what He's done yesterday and say, I'm putting my, that same confidence in today. But not only that. Confidence from God, but confidence from God results in knowing your calling. You see, Nehemiah knew he was called to build. Nehemiah knew, I'm called to this. And if I'm called to this, God is going to provide for this. God is going to give me the power for this. And God is going to give me everything that I need to accomplish what he has called me to accomplish. I was just in a meeting with some ministers and, and some church officers of another church. 
It was my task and another uh, brother's task to interview them about their, their offices. And they talked about glowing about the offices. And when he got the question and answer, I simply asked, uh, tell us in just a few short sentences why you feel like you're called to this position. I believe the question took them off guard. Silence. They began to talk about what the office was. I said, hold on. I know what the office is. And I know what the responsibilities are. I want to know if you've been called. And then I told them, here's how you know you're called. There's an internal call. You know that you know that you know God has called you. There's an external call where the people of God recognize the calling on your life. We've seen that the people gather around Nehemiah. And then there is a time of preparation where he begins to test your call. He begins to see whether or not, uh, uh, and, and I asked him this question, and, and somebody asked me when I was called to the ministry, uh, can you do anything else with your life and still feel satisfied? If you can, then you ain't called. Did you get that? If you can do anything else in your life other than what you believe God has called you to do, if you can do anything else in your life and still feel satisfied and significant and right with God, if you can do anything else, then maybe you ain't been called. Because if you've been called, you know that you know that you know God is in this, and it doesn't matter how hard it gets, you've been called. It doesn't matter how, what kind of opposition there is, you've been called. It doesn't matter what enemies come up against you, you've been called. It doesn't matter about the spiritual warfare, you've been called. I've been called to this. Uh, nothing's going to stop me, I've been called to this. Nothing's going to hinder me, I've been called to this. Nothing's going to stifle me, I've been called to this. God's called me. Some of us need to go back to our calling in our marriages. When it gets tough, this first sign of difficulty, we want to bathe. No, I've been called to this. God has called me to you. And it's my mandate before God to stay with you. If you got that why, you can stand anyhow. Amen or oh me? Amen. Y'all okay? Yes, sir. I know we're going a little long, but we're already at point number six, the last one. Let's review. Number one, he fixed his focus on God's plan. Number two, he found his facts about the situation. Number three, he formed a fellowship to address the work. Number four, he fortified his faith. Number five, he faced his foes with courage. And number six, he fulfilled his function. Turn all the way, if you're looking in your Bibles, or it should be up there, to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16 says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Y'all say 52 days. 52 days. And it happened when all the enemies heard of it and all the nations around it saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. The enemies saw the walls been building. Oh, suki suki now. They got walls. We can't invade like we want to now. We can't terrorize them like we, we have been doing now. They're not going to be in their same condition now. They got fortified walls. They, they got stuff around them to, to, to strengthen them. In the last phrase it says, For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Amen. 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 Mm, I wish I was in the congregation. I just holler. But I got to keep on preaching. Years of opposition 
But in 52 days, the walls were built. Yes, sir. Years of the enemies attacking them, but 52 days, the walls were built. Mm -hmm. Years of difficulty, but 52 days, the walls were built. Years of difficulty, but 52 days, the walls were built. Years of discouragement. For 52 days, the walls were built. Years of, of not knowing where your protection would come, but, but 52 days, the walls were built. Years of not having an altar, but the walls were built. Years of not having a temple, but in 52 days, the walls were built. And you may ask the question, if there were years and years of difficulty, years and years of defeat, years and years of disillusionment, years and years of no protection, how could it only take 52 days to build these walls? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look again at the last phrase. The last phrase says, For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Amen. We couldn't do it in 52 days, but God can. We couldn't provide the protection we need, but God can. We couldn't build the walls, but God can. Yes, we couldn't become a strong nation, but God can cause us to be. We couldn't stay married, but God can provide the glue. We couldn't build this business, but God can. We couldn't establish this ministry, but God can. We couldn't establish the vision that God wants us to have, but God can. He can do it. They understood that the work was done by our God. Let me close to, with this. Many of you say, well, that, that, those are just building principles. Those are just self-help principles, Pastor Mike. No, it's a whole lot more. Because Nehemiah is a type of Christ. Nehemiah gives us a picture of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Let's take, take it briefly, point by point. Point number one, he, let's say, Jesus fixed his focus on God's plan. You see, Nehemiah lived in Persia, but he decided to leave Persia because he heard the condition about the condition of Jerusalem. Jesus lived in heaven. He heard about our condition. He heard about how our lives were laid waste. And he said, I can't stay in heaven. It grieves me. And the father said, yes, son, you can go down and see about them. Amen. You see, he fixed his focus on God's plan. And then number two, he found his facts about the situation. He didn't come as, as, as a fully established uh, adult. He came as a baby. He lived 30 years before he started his ministry. He understood exactly what the problem was. He understood what the situation was. And he came to see about us. He formed a fellowship to address the work. He gathered 12 disciples around him who would learn what it meant to love God and learn what it meant to love people and would reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but he fortified his faith. All through the Gospels, he is having alone time with God. He would go to a lonely place and pray. He would establish his relationship with his father. He would hear the words of his father. He would please his father. He fortified his faith in his father God. And not only that, he faced his foes with courage. He said, nevertheless, 
uh, not, not my will, but your will be done. So I'll go to the cross. I'll die on the cross. I'll suffer a sinner's death. I will be tortured because I know your plan. I know your vision. I know what you want. And not only that. He fulfilled his function because it wasn't 52 days, but on the third day, he rose from the dead. On the third day, he said, I've got all power in my hand. On the third day, he accomplished the vision and the purpose for which he was sent. You see, Nehemiah was building a wall, but that wall was Jesus. That wall was representing Jesus, our protection, Jesus, our security, Jesus, our savior. And Nehemiah gives us an idea of the work, the building work that God will do in each one of our lives. And it's ongoing. It's ongoing right now. Let me ask you a question. Has God started building in you? Have you said yes? He says, I'm the chief cornerstone. You got to build with me first. And many women, he wants to build those walls. Yes, he wants to build an altar. Yes, he wants to build a temple. But you can't have a temple without walls. Men and women, I bid you Jesus today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. We pray, Lord God, that you would be blessed. That you would be honored. That you would be lifted up. Father, help us to build. I see that building in my own life as your own continuing work of my sanctification. That you will allow me to look more and more like the Lord Jesus in my character, in my conduct, in my words. Father, there could be someone under the sound of my voice that needs to place their faith in Jesus. You, 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 you want to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want in my life. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want to do with me, yes, Lord, shape me and mold me, build me into the vessel that you want me to be. Come, Lord Jesus, and build. It's in your name we pray. Let the church say amen, 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 Amen. and amen. Won't you stand up as we give our benediction?